we have communicated to each other the importance of allowing God to take our lives and let it be. And have spoken to each other and we have saying to our God that we love to proclaim that we are redeemed. And without those things being true, our service today would be relatively meaningless. And the joy that we have in spite of suffering would be a joy that would be a thing of the past. I'm reminded of a passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where as Paul was talking to the church that was troubled, and he was talking to them about a number of the problems that they faced, he said in chapter 12 and verse 26, if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. And of course, we understand that this is the, the principle of rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, Romans chapter 12, verse 15. And I thought that that was kind of an interesting verse, and it's one that came to mind this morning as I was thinking about what we're going to talk about, our sanctification in Jesus Christ and what it means to be sanctified and what that involves with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus and what that means in terms of being pure before Jesus. That we are here this morning weeping with those who weep because some of our members are suffering. But those very members who are suffering, whether it be because of the loss of a husband or a father or a mother, will be the first to rejoice with those who are rejoicing over a new birth that's going to happen at some time. And we are all going to weep with those who weep. And we will also rejoice with those who rejoice. And we are fortunate and blessed as a congregation to have each other to be involved in that rejoicing and in that weeping. We are happy to be sanctified in Jesus Christ. And I invite you to take your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Exodus where we're going to read just a verse or two in just a moment. We're going to spend most of our time this morning in the New Testament. As we talk about sanctification in Jesus Christ, it would necessarily mean that we're going to spend time in the New Testament. But I want to start in the Old Testament with our subject of sanctification by looking at the Old Testament perspective on the subject of what it means to be sanctified. Or as we sang in that song, Take My Life and Let It Be, to be consecrated before Jesus the Christ. To be set apart, to be special in his sight. The first reference to sanctification I thought was interesting to explore is found all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3. And you recall as good Bible students that Genesis 1 and chapter 2, that those two chapters are a recording of the events that are relative to the creation of the world. It says that God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because in it he rested from all his work which God had created and made. And so that day of rest, we know as students of the Old Testament, became an important day. The Sabbath rest where it was sanctified or consecrated 
or set apart as a special day. When we think about sanctification in the Old Testament, the thing that comes to mind for me is the role that priests played and their respective sanctification. I want to go back to Exodus chapter 28 where I asked you to open just a second or so ago. And this is a section of fascinating scripture in the book of Exodus. Really, all of Exodus is fascinating. I suppose all the Bible is fascinating, right? But this is a, a, a neat section of scripture where it talks about the garments for the priesthood, where it talks about the breastplate, where it talks about the garments that the priests were going to wear. And in verse 40, it says that Aaron's sons, or you might summarize and say those who are going to serve in the priesthood, shall make tunics, and you shall make sashes for them, and you shall make hats for them for glory and beauty. So you shall put them on Aaron, your brother, and on the sons with him. You shall anoint them, consecrate them, and sanctify them, which literally is a setting apart, a separation, so that they may minister to me as priests. Then in the book of Leviticus, just maybe 20 pages or so over in your Bibles, in Leviticus 21, there Moses, the likely author of the book of Leviticus, of course, the real author being the Holy Spirit, Moses is the one who is being the recorder, writes the following in chapter 21, beginning in verse 10. He who is the high priest among his brethren, on whose head the anointing oil was poured and who is consecrated to wear the garments, shall not uncover his head nor tear his clothes, nor shall he go near any dead body, nor defile himself for his father or mother, nor shall he go out of the sanctuary, nor profane the sanctuary of his God, for the consecration of the anointing oil of his God is upon him. I am the Lord. He shall take a wife in her virginity, a widow or divorced woman or defiled woman or a harlot. These he shall not marry, but he shall take a virgin of his own people as wife. Nor shall he profane his posterity among his people, for I, the Lord, sanctify him. And I thought about those passages, and we could read a lot of other passages that talk about the sanctification of priests. And I, I think we are familiar with that concept. Here are these great leaders in Old Testament times who are set apart from God. And if you're like me, I think about, well, what's the New Testament connection? What is, and we'll talk about this a little bit more this afternoon in the recorded sermon, the idea that the Old Testament then gives way to the New Testament and that they are blended together beautifully so that the more you read them together, the more you appreciate the story behind them. But my mind immediately went to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, where in 1 Peter chapter 2, you remember that we are described as, among other things, a royal priesthood. And so what does that mean about us? Well, that doesn't mean that we wear the priestly garments. It doesn't mean that we are required uh, to not touch something that is dead in the way that the Old Testament principles had outlined. But it does mean that we are to be sanctified. It does mean that we are to be set apart or a setting apart. Take my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Because I am redeemed and I love to proclaim it. 
I want to go to the New Testament and spend our time there. What I would like to do is to consider three observations about sanctification and us. And each of these three could be a sermon in among themselves. And in fact, when we think about the first observation and the role of the Holy Spirit, I, like many who preach, have a whole series on the Holy Spirit where we talk about a number of different things. But I want to spend just five or six minutes on the role of the Holy Spirit. And the reason I point that out is because I think we would all agree that God's will for us is to be sanctified. In the way that we conduct ourselves, in the way that we treat others, in the way that we apply Romans chapter 12, which is what we quoted at the introduction to our service this morning. Well, I want to look at two passages that Paul used in writing to the church at Thessalonica. And I thought it was interesting that there's a lot in the book of First and Second Thessalonians on the subject of sanctification. Because I hadn't thought much about this until uh, about six or seven months ago, we were talking about a theme for 2020. Uh, we're still trying to stick with that theme to some degree, although most of those themes have been thrown out the window this year. But the idea of 2020 vision, understanding sanctification, understanding it a little bit better... And so as I explored that, I thought it was interesting that Paul wrote about sanctification in both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. We're going to come back and spend additional time in chapter 4 in just a moment. But I want to just pick on verse 3 and, and pick up a, a, a statement that is made there. It is the will of God that you be sanctified. It is God's will that we are sanctified. When we think about things that are God's will... We are thinking about and pondering things that God mandates and wants for us and wants from us. And of course he goes on, and we'll talk about this in a few moments when we get to our third observation about purity in Christ. He says, such that you should abstain from any type of immorality, including sexual immorality, as outlined in verse 3. But I love the phrase, this is the will of God. Our sanctification or your sanctification. What is God's will in your life? If someone were to ask you that question, you might answer in a number of different ways. And there are a lot of great ways to answer it. Well, his will is that I would that I would serve him, that I would serve others, that I would be obedient to him. And that's all true. But Paul comes along by way of the Holy Spirit, who we're talking about here in this first observation, and he says, Here's God's will. That you are sanctified. That you are a setting apart from the world. And again, we go back to Romans chapter 12, a verse that we quote so often as Christians, that we are not to be conformed to the world, but we are to be transformed from the world. Then turn over just a page in your Bible to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, in verse 13. And I want us to read just a verse or two there near the end of the second chapter of Paul's second epistle. He says, we are bound in, in, in verse 13. He says, we are bound or under obligation. We are under obligation to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God, and if you like underlining things in your Bible, from the beginning... From the very beginning, God chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. 
We know from what Brother David talked about last Sunday morning that in Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, before the foundation of the world, indeed, that's when God has chosen those to have served him. We know that this concept is mistaught by the religious world from time to time. But we also understand that God wants us to be different from the world. He chose us from the beginning through sanctification by the Spirit. By what Spirit? Well, in my Bible, the word Spirit there is capitalized, and rightly so, it seems to me, because we're talking about the role of the Holy Spirit, because there is a role that the Holy Spirit plays in our sanctification. In the absence of the Holy Spirit, you and I do not have sanctification. Well, go, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read the first two verses. He says, Peter, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims in the dispersion of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, he says, you are elect. There's that concept again, that you are different from the world, that you are chosen by God according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification, if you like underlining things, of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. We'll talk about Jesus in just a second or two, but I want you to notice what the Holy Spirit is saying to us here, that in sanctification of the Spirit, without the Spirit, without the Holy Spirit's work in delivering the Word, in being the guide to the early apostles... You and I do not have the opportunity to be sanctified from the world, to be different from the world. I know that because of passages like John chapter 17. You may say, well, John chapter 17 is Jesus talking. Well, rightly so. But what is Jesus saying there? In John 17 verse 17, which is a verse that every preacher memorizes at some point in his training or, or in, in, in understanding preaching, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Well, what does that have to do with the Holy Spirit? Well, where does the word come from? Well, we know that 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 is one of those places that tells us that men who wrote the gospel message, Peter, James, John, Paul, did not write their own opinions, but as they were moved by what? The Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit directed them to write the word. So the word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Jesus said, they also may be sanctified by the truth. Where's the truth come from? It comes from this. Sanctify them. By my truth, thy word is truth, John 17, verse 17. So we need to appreciate so much about the Holy Spirit. So much more could be said about that. Maybe we'll say something about that in the coming months. But I wanted us to appreciate the role of the Holy Spirit while also secondly appreciating that there is a particular role of the Savior, Jesus the Christ. And there is so much to be said about that. That's, again, a sermon or two in and of itself. But let me just make five observations real quickly, or, or, or maybe put it differently, use five New Testament passages, three from Hebrews, 
and the other from 1 Corinthians and Ephesians chapter 5. But I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to use five passages that all talk about sanctification in Jesus Christ and the role that he played. And we'll look at these in the order in which they appear in the New Testament as it is outlined for us today. 1, Peter, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 28 The base things of the world, the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Of course, this is where Paul, as Bruce was talking about just uh, recently, the idea of choosing things that rather than the world prizing them, God prizes them. And the foolishness of the world compared with the wisdom of God, there is no comparison between the two to paraphrase sections of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. So that no flesh should glory in his presence, verse 29, and then in verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. What else did Jesus become for us? He became righteousness, he became redemption, and he became sanctification. So I appreciate our brother Josh choosing these songs, including Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it, because without sanctification, there's no such thing as redeemed. And without redemption, there's no such thing as sanctification. And without Jesus, this is all for naught. Rather an exercise in futility, because without Christ, we are without sanctification. We need to appreciate that very, very much. Secondly, I want us to look in the book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26. You may say, wait a minute, that's the section that's talking about the church and talking about the comparison or the analogy uh, to marriage in the church. And you're correct. That's the section of scripture that we're looking at here. Wives, submit your own husbands to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Jesus Christ also loved the church and gave himself for very standard passages that we look at a lot of times. And then in verse 26, why is that the case that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word? Without Jesus, there's no sanctification. Without sanctification, there's no purity in the church. You and I are members of the Lord's church, and we are purified in the sight of God. And we are made to be pure, not perfect in the sense that we are without sin, but we are washed of our blemishes. His, those sins that we have committed, the Hebrew writer says, I will remember no more. Well, that brings us to a third passage that I want us to explore for just a second or two, and that is in Hebrews. And we'll spend the next few moments in Hebrews. But in Hebrews chapter 2, I want to read beginning in verse 10. Hebrews 2 and verse 10. For it was fitting for him for whom are all things and by whom are all things and bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he, speaking of our Savior, he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. You ever stop to really think about that concept for a moment? Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Jesus is the Son of God. But what do we call ourselves? We call ourselves Christians, saints. We call ourselves a lot of different things. But we call ourselves children of God. 
you are a child, you are either a son or a daughter. You see, there's this relationship that we have with God that is built into it, a relationship with his son that we need to appreciate. And such the case in verse 11, he is not ashamed to call them brethren. We are brethren with Christ because of sanctification. Then over in Hebrews chapter 10, in verses 10 through 14, we won't read all those verses for the sake of time. But in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 10, by that will we have been, here it is, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's a, that's a concept that the Hebrew writer likes, the idea of once for all. Then in verse 14, for by one offering he is perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That tells me that Jesus' sacrifice is absolutely fundamental and essential to our sanctification. When we go to God in prayers, we'll close in just a couple of moments, we need to say thank you for sanctifying me. Thank you for the process of sanctification that comes by way of your son. And that brings us to a fifth and a final passage on the role of Jesus. And that's just, uh, just a paragraph or a page over in your Bibles. In Hebrews chapter 13. Therefore, in verse 12, it says, Jesus also... So that he might sanctify the people with his own blood suffered outside the gate. There's a lot to be said about that, about outside the gate and Jesus' suffering. But the simple point that I wanted to make is that the blood of Jesus is essential. It is the same writer, the Hebrew writer, who says that the blood of bulls and goats isn't sufficient to provide for the sanctification or the separation from sin that you and I enjoy. Only the blood of Jesus can make that happen. And with that concept of Jesus, that brings us to a third observation, and that is the idea of being pure before Christ. And that goes back to kind of where we began and where I want to then return for just a quick glance again, and that is the idea of preparation for worship, being sanctified, was true in Old Testament times. Exodus chapter 19, we read chapter 18 just a moment or so ago. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 5 is a passage that I wanted to just briefly uh, kind of touch on. Where there the Bible says, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You recall in places like 1 Samuel chapter 16, a, a section of scripture that likely is familiar to you, that there we see where David uh, and Saul are interacting here, and it says, Peaceably I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. I say all that because there's something to be said in the New Testament for preparing ourselves for worship as well. I want to look at three passages in the, New in the New Testament. I want to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and in verse 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 is the section that talks about not going to court against your brothers and sisters and not showing the world that you're just like the world, but showing the world that you are different. And in verse 9, he says, Don't you know that the unbelieving or the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? 
fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. Those are individuals that are included in but not limited to those who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then in verse 11, such were some of you. That is in the past. Think about that for just a moment. Here, here's an aside. The church at Corinth, you could be sitting in the same pew at Corinth with someone who was previously guilty of one of these sins. No wonder why the church at Corinth struggled as much as it did and needed the instruction of at least three letters from the inspired writer Paul. But such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2, in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 21, and he says, Timothy, let me give you some advice here. He says, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he's talking about the vessels of gold, those things that are for honor, dishonor, it, it, the context of verse 15, prove yourself to be a worthy worker, rightly dividing the word of truth. In verse 21, if anyone cleanses himself for the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. And then I promise to go back to 1 Thessalonians, and we'll go back and read these seven verses very quickly. But I wanted to appreciate that you can't talk about sanctification, purity, the idea of being set apart, a setting apart without really appreciating those seven verses. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. What does it take to please God, Paul? For you know what commandments we have given you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. For no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter. Because the Lord is an avenger or is the avenger of all such. And we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to un being unclean but in holiness. I love that particular passage. God did not call us to be unclean, but he called us to be holy. What did God call us to be? Not just holy, sanctified. A setting apart from the world. And that happens by way of the Holy Spirit. That happens by way of Jesus the Christ. And it happens by way of our diligent effort to be pure in the sight of God. I want to close with four applications that I think are important for us. To pray about, to study about, to consider. Number one, might I suggest that we pray specifically and thank God for the Holy Spirit's work. Not only in the past, but to borrow from Romans chapter 8, verses 25, 26, 27, 28, the role of the Holy Spirit in the present. Where there it says that the Spirit makes intercession for us with the grumblings that cannot be uttered. I'm paraphrasing Romans 8, verses 25, 26, and 27. But we need to pray and specifically say, Father, thank you for the Holy Spirit for its work in the past and in the present. Secondly, pray specifically and thank God for Christ's work and sanctification. Say thank you for the work that Jesus has put forth 
and is putting forth. You'll notice that the terminology that was used in one of those passages that is being sanctified as if it's an ongoing process because we are always growing as Christians. Let me suggest thirdly that we study hard because the word that we study is the word that leads to sanctification. After all, John 17, 17 tells us so much. And let me then suggest in my my favorite application, the one that really means a lot to me and the one that I hope will mean a lot to you, is that if we are going to really be sanctified men and women, we need to make sure that we prepare ourselves for worship. I wanted to conclude with two passages that really have very little to do with the concept of sanctification, at least on the surface. But then again, you would say, wait a minute. Doesn't every passage have to deal with sanctification? And you would be correct to argue that. But I want to look at two passages, and I hope you'll understand what I mean by this. In the book of James, chapter 4, verse 8, James is a book of incredible wisdom. And he says, draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you who are double-minded. And the point there is a number of things. The points are a number of things. But the, the big picture is that don't just go to God in prayer or to God in worship without stopping to consider where do I stand in relationship to God? Am I pure before the Lord? Am I ready before the Lord? Which brought me then to Matthew chapter 5, which in many ways is kind of a frightening verse because it teaches us very early on in the New Testament about the importance of worshiping God with a clean conscience and making sure that we are truly set apart. Remember, where we began all the way back in Exodus 28 or Leviticus chapter 21, the priests who were in charge of worshiping God and leading the people in sanctification had to themselves be sanctified, be prepared. Well, what is written here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23? If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there at the altar before it and go your way. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Could I take a little bit of liberty and just paraphrase those two verses which are teaching? Make sure that you are working on your own sanctification before you go to God in prayer, before you go to God in study, before you go to God in worship. Because those are important concepts that we get. You would say, well, that means that I've got to really be honest with myself. Yeah, that's part of being a Christian, is it not? And it is sometimes hard to face ourselves in the spiritual mirrors and to see what we look like. But... The only way that we can improve and the only way that we can be of service to God and the only way that we can be sanctified in Jesus Christ is to make these things happen. And we are hoping this morning that something that we have said will cut you to the heart to borrow from Acts chapter 2 or Acts chapter 7. That it will lead you to make a change for the better. And if we can help you in making those changes, we would welcome that opportunity. If, as a child of God, you're not living correctly and you are not sanctified because your life is not what it should be, 
and maybe you needed to leave your gift at the altar first and then go be reconciled. If we can help you in that reconciliation in some way or some form or some method, we would welcome the opportunity to do so. If you are not a Christian, maybe you are here in the auditorium, maybe you're watching online, maybe you're in the parking lot, and you're saying, you know what, it's time for me to make the change. It's time for me to become a child of God. We stand ready now and always to assist you in believing Jesus is the Christ. And if we need to study that further, we'll do that. And being baptized based on the repentance of your sins and the confession of your faith in Jesus the Christ. If we can help you in any way, let us know while together we stand and while we sing.